Merry Christmas, New Life. Glad you guys are all together with us this morning. Uh, I was fired from announcements, but I was not fired from offering. And we're going to start with offering. I thought, what a better time to start with offering than on Christmas morning. Amen. Last week, last week we, uh, uh, during the offering, we learned that worship is not singing. It's obedience to letting something go. Amen. You remember that? And we used the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, which has nothing to do with Christmas. So I kind of regret what I'm, how I'm opening, but how God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. In Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, the scripture says this. It says, after all these things, God tested Abraham to see and said to him, Abraham, and he said to him, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. That's the important part, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him for, uh, there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. The Christmas story is a whole lot more fun, so this will get better as the day goes on. But the, 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 this follows a very interesting conversation between God and Abraham, because Abraham had two sons. So he says, I want you to give me the son that you love. And he had two sons. One was the son of mistake, and the other one's the son of a miracle. He was 90 when he had his second son. I don't know about you, but I like giving God my mistakes, but I really have trouble giving him my miracles. I like to give him my sins, my, my sadness, my, my, my things I don't want. And I receive forgiveness for that. Is that what we believe about Jesus Christ? We give him our sins, he gives us our salvation. But what he's asking here on this offering, this, this idea of worship, is that he wants us to offer up our miracles. He wants to offer up what we love. So when we, when we worship God, when we're worshiping, what we do is we don't just sing, because singing requires no uh, sacrifice. Singing is a result of the things that he's given us during the week, so that's why we sing. That's why we, we, we sing worship songs. But the real worship happens when we sacrifice, when we let go of the miracles, not just the mistakes. So worship is our obedience to letting things go, and sacrifice. it's a sacrifice that makes demands on our life. So what are we going to offer him this morning? That's kind of the question of the day. What are we going to offer him this morning? What miracle, what thing that you love the most that you're willing to say, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give you the thing I love as well as the thing that I don't. Let's pray. Father, you gave up the thing you loved more than anything, and that was Jesus Christ. In fact, we're celebrating his birth today as coming to earth the first time. And we're celebrating it because we know that he made a difference in our lives. He's forgiven us of our sins. He's saved us from our sins. So, Father, as we sing today, as we worship today, as we listen to the word of God today, we give, him, we give you our attention. We give you our affection. Because you're so amazing. So encourage our hearts today, Lord God, as we celebrate this birth of Christ this morning. That we do offering the best we have. We love you so. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing.
to stay on beat, eh? Come on, we can do this. the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea, my God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today.
joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing.
days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken to the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Canarius, the governor of Syria, 
And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Turn to somebody and say, don't be scared. And you don't have to be scared because the angel said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not some of the people, but all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This morning we are celebrating the fact that God's favor rests on us. Amen? Because of his son, Jesus. We're going to sing one more song, all right? Savior of heaven. 
You may be seated and Merry Christmas. It's cozy in here this morning. I mean, I have tons of space, but it looks like you guys are a little short on elbow room. This Christmas Eve, I wanted to talk to everyone um, but you guys are the only ones who showed up. So I'll just talk to you. I wanted to talk about peace. Come on, turn to somebody and say peace. I'm not talking about the last piece of pie, right? Okay. We, we are not even talking about the peace where there's an absence of trouble and suffering and conflict. We're going to talk about the peace that Jesus Christ brought to this earth. Amen? So, in Luke 2, verse 14, it says, The angel said, Glory to God in the highest, and peace, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Come on. Come on. Isn't that a great promise? Isn't that just an amazing promise that Jesus Christ came and by Jesus coming, there is peace on earth for those that God's favor rests. Come on. Has anybody felt a lack of peace between when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and right now, Christmas Eve, and you haven't even gotten all of your packages wrapped? Has anybody felt a lack of peace? Come on. We've only got three honest people. Uh, there we go. There we go. I mentioned to somebody, I said, oh, they're like, yeah, I got everything done. Everything. I was like, you have all your presents wrapped? They're like, presents. Oh. I thought, you don't have a lot of time. But Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God promises on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I want to tell you a story about a father and his newborn baby son. And you're probably thinking, Joseph. Maybe you're thinking, maybe God the Father? Anybody? Well, we're going to talk about Zeke. Does any, I know, my wife is like, come on, not on Christmas Eve. Why do you, just do what is expected of you. But I just can't. I cannot. We're going to talk about a guy named Zeke, okay? There was a gentleman. His name was Zeke. He was a priest, and you probably know him by Zechariah, but who uses that anymore? We're going to go with Zeke. Zechariah was a priest, and he, it was his turn. You can read about it in Luke 1, but we're just going to go through the cliff notes, okay? Zeke was old. And when the angel approached him, he actually threw his wife under the bus and said, she's old. All right. So they're older. All right. And, and God came while Zeke was at church doing priestly things. And he said, hey, God's going to give you a son. 
And this is where he threw his wife on the bus. He's like, whoa, I'm really old. And my wife, actually, I want to see what he says. He said this right here. Um, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. And my wife, he doesn't even say she's old. He says, and my wife is well along in years. (laughs) Which is worse, right? That's worse. We have to believe that Zeke loved the Lord, not ultimately very bright, but loved the Lord. And God promises him a son. And Zeke is like, it's just not going to happen because she is well along in years. And the angel says, well, guess what? I sit in front of God. My name is Gabriel. I'm kind of a big deal. So you're not going to get to talk until your son is born. And... Elizabeth praised the Lord. His wife, that's his wife. (laughs) Long story short, we're going to skip through, right, all the way to the point where the baby is born. He's going before he's going to get circumcised, as was Jewish custom. And they said, hey, what are you going to name him? Let's name him Zechariah after his dad. And Elizabeth says, no, his name will be John. And just like every great family argument, when the person who's in charge doesn't say what you want, you go to the other one. And they're like, okay, you just gave birth. You're, you're, you know, you're out of your mind, Elizabeth. Let's go talk to dad. Zeke, what do you want to name him? And he writes on a tablet. He says, his name's going to be John. And they're like, Okay, and as soon as Zeke writes his name will be John, he can speak. Ta-da, it's a miracle, right? And Elizabeth starts praying again. But this is what, this is the part, I'm just being silly. But this is what I want to get to. Zechariah, the very next thing that he says, he has not been able to talk for over nine months He has to write on a tablet, right? Which doesn't sound that bad to the rest of us, right? I don't know if it was, you know, Q9 or if it was longhand. The only people that laughed are old enough to know what Q9 is. The kids are like, what is that? Forget about it. Nine months, he can't talk. Have you ever had to drive down the road and your, your stereo was broken or you didn't bring your AirPods or for whatever reason, you're on the road driving by yourself with no other noise, no other input and you just like start thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking and then you're like, wow, this is uncomfortable. There's a lot of stuff up here. I need some noise. Zeke is experiencing that for nine months. He can't talk. He can't barely communicate. It's a hassle. So this is what Zechariah says as soon as God gives him his voice back. It's in Luke 1, verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Who is he talking about? 
Jesus, all right? He's talking about Jesus, his son. He's holding his baby boy. Has anybody, does anybody remember when you held your baby for the first time? You're looking at your baby, and he is prophesying about Jesus. As he said, this is, as God said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. That's an important part, okay? I want you to just tuck that away. Holy covenant. Jesus' coming was about God keeping his holy covenant. The, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. We're going to come back to Abraham in a, in a minute. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. To enable us to serve him. Come on. To enable us. How many of us think about God and think, man... I am so pumped about Jesus because Jesus coming enables me to serve him. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then Zeke goes on. He's looking at little baby John. And he says this in verse 76. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the most high. The most high being Jesus. For you will go on before the Lord, Jesus Christ, to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. To give Jesus' people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. He's prophesying to his baby boy who has probably just been changed. Hopefully. Okay? Maybe there's some spit up right? It's kind of a mess. How many of you guys know that babies are a mess? I have an adorable nephew that I love to hang out with until there are rumblings, <laughs> until there is some sour milk that comes forth. And I say, sis, I love you. Here is your child. <laughs> Having kids is a mess. Right? And honestly, anybody who is still a minor, look at me. Having parents is kind of a mess too. Can I get an amen? Right? There's not a lot of us in here that have it together. Can I show of hands? Okay, there we go. So he's prophesying about what his son John will do his son John's role in announcing Jesus Christ to the people of God. Verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun, that is Jesus, who will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Sometimes I forget that I'm living in darkness. Sometimes I forget that before God, I was living in the shadow of death. And that every time I turn my back on God, I walk straight to the valley of the shadow of death all by myself. 
But Jesus came. Jesus came to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Anybody here need a savior? Come on. And to guide our feet into the path of peace. I hear this so often. I just want peace. I just want peace. I just want everything to be normal. I just want a moment of peace and quiet. Come on. I just want peace. I just want everything to be okay. I want everybody to just get along. How many of you are a little hesitant? You're a little anxious about the coming family get together. My son is raising his hand. Peace be with you, my son. We just want peace. We just want to relax. We just want to catch our breath. We just want everybody to get along and be nice. For God's sake, just let us get through one of these dinners without a fight. And Jesus' coming promises to guide our feet into the path of peace. The angel said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The reason I'm bringing this up is because one of the main reasons why we turn our back on God, why I see people say and they justify and they say, I just can't do this God thing anymore because I prayed and God did not take away all the hard things. I asked God to fix it, and he didn't fix it. And so me, big old me, gave little teeny tiny God, it's in tiny print right there, God, gave him an ultimatum. If he doesn't do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to figure it out myself. There is a discrepancy between what God has promised, what we expect, And God doing those things. And we feel like that gives us the justification to walk away, to slide, to get a little cool, to not be as excited about God as maybe Stefan is. Right? Like, good for him. Like, man, he's just in it to win it. I'm so excited for Carrie and Stefan. Man, I wish God loved me as much as he loved them. And we get cynical and we get skeptical. So what is the problem? Is God the problem? Am I the problem? Yes. Me. I. I'm the problem. It's me. Okay? But really the problem is that we don't understand God's promise. We don't understand what God promised when he sent his son, when he promised a path to peace, when he promised peace on earth to everybody on whom his favor rests. In Romans, this is where we're going to talk about the old covenant and Abraham. You're welcome. (laughs) I think sometimes Pastor Andy always thinks, is this a good idea? Should we give him a microphone? Doesn't matter, because we're here now. (laughs) Romans, (laughs) 
You guys are a great church this morning. Romans 4, verse 20 says, Yet he did not waver. This is Abraham, okay? I'm going to spare you the first four chapters, okay? Paul is talking about Abraham. Yet Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. How many times have I wavered in whether or not God could bring me peace or that God would bring me peace or that in the face of it not showing up, I was going to stand before him and allow him to enable me to serve him in the absence of, of seeing what God promised me. Verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us. Come on. But also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. We believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We believe in the God that created the heavens and the universe. And specifically, we believe in the God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Come on. That's the one that we're believing in. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Justification for what? Justification that us sitting over in our sin and our wickedness, our shadow of death, our darkness, justification that God says, yes, I will let you come into my perfect holy presence. Come on. In our justice system, we don't let murderers just go out and roam free. That would be unjust. I am painfully aware of my sins. Come on. I'm painfully aware of where I fall short as a husband, as a father, as a son of God. And as a son of Chris and Sherry, I'm painfully aware that Jesus had to die for my sins so that a just, holy, righteous God had the justification to let me become a son of God, to be in his presence. And was, Jesus was raised to life for our justification. Verse 5, this, or chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Come on. Yay. The Bible says so. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It does not say we have peace with our spouse. It does not say we have peace with our parents. 
It absolutely never, and I've read it a few times, not just this one, but the whole thing. I don't see anywhere where it says, I absolutely, irrevocably, you will have peace with your teenagers. (laughs) Not in there. There's love, right? Hopefully, that covers a multitude of sins. But nowhere does it say, because of Jesus' sacrifice, you will have peace with your teenager. Or teenagers. Let's just flip it around. And let's be fair. That you'll have peace with your parents. They ask you to do ridiculous things. Over and over again. Like put a coat on before you go outside. It amazes me how many teenagers are at the high school in t-shirts in the middle of winter. I digress. We're going to come back to Jesus. We have peace with God. God does not promise that you will have peace with everybody in the world. God does not promise that you will even have peace with the most important people in your world. God says that Because of what Jesus did and because you believe, you will have peace with him. Come on. That's a big deal. Because God is a big God and he's in control of the universe. If something's happening, it's because he's letting it happen. If something's changing, it's because he's changing it. Come on. There is a difference between having peace where I want it and having peace where it belongs. I can go to work with a wonderful boss. I can pay my bills. I can think things in traffic. I can walk through the valley of the shadow of teenage years because God is with me. Come on. Because I have peace with God, the one who matters. If you have a great marriage, you know what I'm talking about. Because life can be hard. Your job can be awful. There are people that don't like you. There are people you don't like. And you can walk out that door with confidence that no matter what happens today, no matter what goes down, no matter what you do or somebody else does to you, you're coming home to a loving spouse that loves you, that has your back, that you have peace at home where it matters. Amen? Come on. I can walk out that door because that woman has my back. Most of the time when I'm not acting, I'm not even allowed to say it in church. A certain way, that woman has my back. Now that does not mean she's not going to call me out. It means that we have peace, that we're on the same team, that we're together. Because of what Jesus Christ did, you and I have access to peace with the creator of the universe who has tender mercies for you and for me. 
Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I feel like Paul could have used like a writing class that felt like a mouthful. Be more concise, Paul, but we're going to get through it. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. You got it, Jackson. Yeah, you know exactly what's going on. This is a plot twist. We glory in our sufferings because we have peace with God. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. I hate going to the gym as much as the next person, but I'm not going to get strong if I don't. Come on. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. When the Bible says character, it's talking about metal. It's talking about the, the ability. Have you ever heard, maybe I'm an old person, right? That person has metal. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? That person has, has it actually comes from the word metal, all right, which means strong. No matter what happens, it's going to stick through it, through the fire, through the cold. Come on. It's going to stick through that character that says, I'm right here and I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here with God and I'm not going back that way. Perseverance cr creates character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you find yourself lost, you have hope. If you don't have hope and you feel like you don't have any metal either and you're kind of wish-washy and you feel like you're untethered and you're just adrift out to sea, then maybe you have perseverance. If you don't have perseverance, keep going backwards, right? And maybe, just maybe, you are a lot like me. And when suffering gets here, we get a little squirrely. And we say, I don't super want to do this. So I'm going to avoid that conversation. I don't super want to do this. I'm going to put that bill somewhere where I can't see it. I don't super want to do this. I'm just going to tell my parents that I'm sick and I can't come to dinner tonight. We all have ways of getting out of tough situations, don't we? We all have coping mechanisms. And if you're not going to squirrel out of it, you're just going to drown the noise out with some insanely loud music or an obnoxious podcast or obnoxious newscast. And if that doesn't work, when all else fails, go to substances, my friend. Ben and Jerry's has your back. You can drown your sorrows 
and a half gallon of that stuff. God's children can do hard things. God's children can do hard things. God's children can have hard conversations. God's children can go to a job that sucks. God's children can walk through the valley of the shadow of death without any fear because we have peace with our Father. He's not going to save us from all of our troubles. He's not going to fix all of our little owies, but he is going to stand right next to us and he's going to be available to us so that we can walk through suffering, so that through walking through suffering, we have perseverance, so that, I forgot where we're at. (laughs) Perseverance leads to character, and character leads to hope. Hope in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a huge application guy because this is all great, We've all laughed. We've all cried. It's an amazing time. But what do we even do with this stuff? This is why I hate math. So abstract. So out there, right? Until I have to figure out the hypotenuse of a triangle. So how do we apply this? How do we stay over here? With God, How do we stay at peace with God, close to God, through the suffering, through the perseverance, through the character building, through all of that jazz? How do we do that? Well, I know this seems a little trite, but in Philippians 4, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. But I don't want to. I will say it again. Rejoice. But I don't feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord always. But God, you don't understand how bad my life is. God, the ice maker in my freezer is broken. And now like a peasant, I must drive to the store and get ice from the store. How many of you guys find yourself complaining about Really not problems. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again because you need to hear it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That word gentleness is actually calm. That word gentleness is actually keeping your head about you. In a physiological way, that is staying so calm that you can actually still think like a human that has a brain. Anybody ever lost that feeling? Maybe you've been married to a person who's lost it. Maybe you're a child to a person who's lost it. Okay? Paul says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And then he goes on to say, Let your gentleness, let your calmness, let your cool, even attitude be evident to all, especially the people that live with you. Sorry, that was just me. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, which is kind of a trick, right? Anybody suffer from anxiety? Don't raise your hand. I already know the stats. It's... All of you. 
statistically speaking. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The path to peace is to walk towards the light. The path to peace in your heart, in the face of suffering, in the face of hard things, is Jesus. Rejoice. I'm with Jesus. Rejoice. I'm with Jesus. I'm not going to be anxious about anything. Instead, I'm going to come before God and I'm going to thank him for everything that he's done. And I'm going to ask him for what I need. That's it. Present your requests to God. They can be juvenile requests. They can be mature requests. They can be somewhere in the middle. It does not matter. Paul does not distinguish between dumb requests, requests that God's never going to answer because they're completely ridiculous. Anybody else want a Lamborghini? Just me? He says, present your request to God. If you do this, if you rejoice in the Lord, stay calm. Instead of getting anxious in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is God's promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind that will not stop running at three o'clock in the morning. In Christ Jesus. This is not an empty promise. Paul is saying that Jesus Christ, who was born in a manger, who we're celebrating this winter, grew up, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for my sins, for my wretchedness, for my sickness. Laid in the grave, not for one day, not for two days, but three days dead. Not almost dead, all dead. And then the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob raised him from the dead. Come on. That God will guard your hearts and your mind. It's a promise. The trick is not getting caught up in our own situation. The trick is not following what the world says that we have to do. Not following what everybody in our life says that we should be doing. But following what God said. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't be anxious for anything, but with petition and thanksgiving, presenting your requests to the Lord. And if we do that, we will maintain the peace with God, the one who matters. Come on. The person that I'm handing the microphone has left the building. So now we're in a pickle. Where did he go?
Awesome. Okay. Well then. You're not your husband's keeper. Is this what you're telling me? Okay. Um, he must have thought that I was really ramping up. I wasn't going to be closing anytime soon. All right. Um, just rest. Be anxious for nothing. All of you who are really losing your mind right now, not me, you guys, all right? Just be anxious for nothing because Pastor Andy is here. God is good, amen? I didn't. They did. They were losing it. But I was fine. Just rejoicing in the Lord. Here we go. All right. Perseverance. Character. We normally do a uh, Christmas Eve service, but this is the Christmas Eve service. And the reason is, is what we would really like you to do, especially the spiritual leaders of the home, is tell your family how important Jesus is to you. So share your story with your family. And so we have, where did you put that? We have these little things that Angela put together. Gives you all the instructions. Even gives you one of those doohickeys to uh, take a picture of and it takes you to a video. You don't even have to find your own video. And uh, we, we'd like the spiritual leaders of the home to lead the families. Let me make a statement. I can tell the story of Jesus to your children. But when you tell your story of Jesus to your children, it's different. It's powerful. Grandpas, your children and your grandchildren need to hear your story of Jesus. I can tell them. The children's ministry can tell them. But when you tell them, it's something powerful. And so we're trying to give you an opportunity to be that spiritual leader of your home. It's okay to let other people guide you spiritually, but at some point in time, your, your children need to hear from you. Amen. So if you did not get one of these, do you have some left, Nick? If you're the spiritual leader of your home, or if, especially you dads, and I know this isn't normal for you because it's easier to let somebody else tell the story, but your kids want your story. They need your story. When I was a little boy... Um, my father on Christmas Eve would, because that's when godly people open their presents on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Before any present was opened, my father would sit down and he would read the Bible. He would read the story of Jesus. And that happened for the 30 years that I was alive every Christmas. And when I was little, I hated it because you couldn't open your presents until Dad read the story. And it took him forever. He read, he read it like he actually enjoyed it. And, uh, and then after he would read it, we would pray. And my father led that every year my whole life. And I knew that this man loved Jesus. 
Because the story was more than just a story that he read. It was a story that he lived. And he shared that story with his family. I've heard the story from preachers throughout my life. But none have impacted me the way that my father's story has. So spiritual leaders of your home, whether you're husband or wife, whether you're a single mom, single dad, share Jesus with your kids tonight. Before they open any presents, they have to sit through the story and watch the video <laughs> and sing along with. That's what we're doing uh, this Christmas Eve. And so um, can we pray real quick? Can you stand with me? Father, I'm thinking this morning about those who may not have peace with you. How they're living their life on their own. Father, how they're going to go through suffering because it doesn't matter who you are. We are we're all going to go through suffering as long as we live on this earth. But they're doing it without any hope, without any help. They may have had a good earthly father, but they don't know the heavenly father. Or maybe they've had a bad earthly father and they need to know the heavenly father. Father, they need peace today. This world needs peace. But not in the world. It needs peace with God. So open our hearts up to you, Father. If we don't have peace with you, maybe today's the day that we ask one of our family members that seems to talk a lot about the Bible. Maybe, Father, they can ask that person how they got peace from God. Because my... My father that you gave me, Lord, that my earthly father, was an angry man until he met Jesus. And then he had peace with God. And it translated to peace in his world. And I got that peace from you as well. So, Father, as we, as we seek you today, open our hearts up to what you have to offer us. Father, thank you for Pastor Angelo. I never worry about him. You've blessed this church with him and his family. And Father, I just thank you for loving us and bringing us all together today. That we get to celebrate the birth of your son today. The birth of your son that brought us new life. We love you. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and sing one more song.
sending your light to shine on us, living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Thank you for sending your light, Jesus Christ, to guide our feet into the path of peace with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And Merry Christmas.